streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. Good morning on this Monday morning, uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Welcome to Rick Bonfin Ministries. I'm Betty McKinney, and I'm just really happy today to introduce um, one of my dear friends. I don't know how far back we go. Pam, maybe you remember better than I do. It's a blur of years of mission trips, rekindle the flame. Um, Pam Morrison is a... a on, I'm introducing her. She's going to bring the word today. And Pam, um, I know you're in Kansas, but I really don't remember the details of where you live now and what exactly you're doing and serving. Could you could you tell us what you're doing these days? You bet, Betty. And yes, we do go way back, <laughs> a long do, time. Do and you I remember how long? <laughs> no. <laughs> wonderful relationship with you and with Rick Bonfin Ministries. Yes, Yes, I I live in Kansas City on the south side in an area called Leewood, and we've been here for, oh my goodness, a long time. And after having served in the local church for many years, for several decades as a pastor, either a senior pastor or associate pastor, and it's been taking me outside the church, like a lot of us. He's been yeah. taking me to online things, <laughs> and I have to say, the learning curve is like learning curve is like straight up. <laughs> you know, trying to figure out all the things. I'm doing a podcast now. I'm doing a lot yeah. of writing for different organizations, and uh, still ministering a lot with people in recovery, faith-based recovery. So praise God. Yes, and speaking of writing, Pam helped us um, do the fine-tuning on our book, Praying with Accuracy. She read through it, and she helped us with bibliography, and so we, we're always grateful to you for that, too, Pam. And oh, when you're, thank if you. you. If, when you write your books, would you send us one? We want to read what you write. Oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> I'm in the middle of some projects, so I will. Great. <laughs> thank Wonderful. You so okay, well, I don't want to take up any yeah. more time. I want you to bring the word and just share with us. Um, share with our people what God has given you today, Pam. All right. Over Thank to you, you, Betty. <clears throat> you know, uh, really, about a month ago, God laid something in my heart that I wanted to speak about today. And it's a single verse in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5.19. You know the words that say, do not quench the spirit. And God put that on my heart to talk about today. Because that verse has always perplexed me, at least not now anymore, but it used to. It used to always trouble me because I would hear it or I would read it and I would think, oh, am I quenching the spirit? Oh, am I doing something to limit the spirit? And I would hear it kind of like a scolding word. And then I would fret about it. You know, it's like the enemy the brethren was right there and religious spirits on either side saying, yeah, you're going to do that. And so I've wrestled with that verse because now when I read it and read it in context, what I hear instead is the Lord saying, I have some ways to help you 
to really be connected to me and to flow with me. This is about how um, you receive me and you receive more of me and you walk in greater glory. That's what that verse is about. And the verses on either side of it. It's kind of like a sandwich. That verse 19 in chapter 5 of verse Thessalonians is in between three verses in front of it and three verses after it that really give meaning to what that phrase says, do not quench the spirit. And I'm going to read them in just a moment. But before I do, I want us to think, what does mean? It means to extinguish, to put out, to restrain, to put the fire out. It means to put a stop to something. Quench means to just damp something down. So when we hear that, do not quench the spirit. That's what quench is meaning. We don't want that. We want the opposite of that. We want Holy Spirit to have total freedom in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits, in the community around us. So I want to read that verse with the three verses that come before it and the three that come after. And then let us hear the good news of what God is really saying to us about that. So here we are in 1 Thessalonians 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn to that. And I'm going to start at verse 16, and I'm going to read through verse 22. So here's what it says. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. And that's God's word for us, and it's a wonderful word. So I want to think about this sandwich this morning, what's on either side of do not quench the spirit. On the front side are those words, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we are in 2020. What a year this has been. What a crazy and, in many ways, difficult year, hasn't it? You know, we've had this coronavirus and the shutdown of our societies all over the world. We've had um, the closing of businesses and people out of work struggling financially. We've had people sick from this virus. We've had people die from this virus. We've had so much going on in connection with that. And then we have this crazy division in our country, just people angry with each other and on different sides of a political fence and battling and slandering and name calling and fighting and undermining and even riots in our cities. We've had storms. We've had fires. And so it's not strange to read those verses, rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances and say, Are you kidding? (laughs) Lord, you can't really think that right now I can do those things. That's a natural, understandable reaction that we would say, I just can't, Lord. I'm wrung out. I don't have it in me. 
it's important to hear what God's saying to us and how he's equipping us in those verses to allow the spirit to continue to flow in our lives and in our circumstances. And so I want to tell you a couple of little stories in relationship to those words, um, one of which even involves Rick Bonfim Ministries, because a couple of years ago I was there at Rekindle the Flame, and I was scheduled to do a workshop. The night before I was going to do that workshop, um, I had dinner and I was going to go to the evening service. I was on the prayer team for the evening service and it was going to be a communion service. So I really wanted to be there. But I called my husband just prior to the meeting and you need to know this. My husband has struggled with uh, cancer for the last 12, almost 13 years. We've had a lot of glorious victories, but we complete healing for him yet but he we've seen a lot of healing but just not the final knockdown of that cancer so the night before I was going to do this workshop before I went into the evening worship I called my husband up and I said David how are you and David said to me I feel miserable he had just had chemotherapy that day and he said I'm I feel like I have the worst case of flu I'm laying on the couch my body He's so sick. Well, I comforted him as much as I could. I hung up and I went into the evening worship. And it began to affect me what he had said on the phone. And I began to get really sad, really heavy in my spirit, in my mood. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to leave. You know, they've got plenty of people on the prayer team. Nobody's going to notice I'm gone. I'm just getting out of here and I'm going back to my hotel room. But I wanted to receive communion. I believe there's healing in the communion, healing for me, healing for my husband, healing for all of us, that Jesus won that on the cross for us. So I thought, I'll stay. I'll take communion. The pastor who is doing the communion, who is leading it, started singing the communion uh, liturgy. And, you know, when I was a little kid, I was an Episcopalian. And I heard that sung liturgy when I was a little girl growing up. So, you know, it struck a really deep chord in me when he started singing the phrases of communion. And so that got me more, too. I was just really weepy and sad. But I went up. I took communion. I went to the altar rail. I knelt down. Moment. I felt the Holy Spirit just kneel beside me and put his arm around me, to me. Oswald Chambers, in his um, devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, he describes the verse and the voice of the Spirit in this way. He says, the voice of the Spirit of God is as gentle as a summer breeze, so gentle. And that's what I felt in that moment. The Holy Spirit kneeling beside me and saying, Pam, don't leave. Don't go. Stay with me. And it was not what I wanted to do, but I heard him speak to me, and I wanted to follow him and listen. I went back to my seat, and the worship team began to play, Oh, the blood of Jesus. And oh, was that the right song for the moment to sing of the blood of Jesus 
covering us, protecting us, providing for us. And so at first I was singing a squeaky little voice, oh, the blood of Jesus, I can't get this out. And then pretty soon I was singing like I was the lead singer in a gospel choir because the spirit was flowing as I, as I prayed, as I worshipped in that setting. And I began to sing with all my heart and sway to the music. And I was ready not only to stay, but I was ready to go up and be a part of that prayer team and pray. I was on fire again. You need to know something I learned later, several, several weeks later, my husband and I talked about this. And, and he said, what time were you doing that? And I said, well, and I told him what time, Georgia time. He says, do you know? About that time, he said, I began to feel better. I got up off that couch. I walked the dog. I made myself dinner. I ate some food. And I said, wow, not only did the Holy Spirit lift me up, but he lifted you up because I was rejoicing and praying. When we hear this, in these verses, rejoice always, pray continually, and we do our best, in, even in our most weakened state, if we do our best to do this, we're able to combat the things that come against us. That's why God gives us those verses. They say to us, if you will do this, the spirit will not be quenched. In fact, the spirit will flow in enormous power, he will give you what you need. He will strengthen you. He'll lift you back up. And so it's important to hear that. Now, we might say, but I can't. Things are too hard for me. There's a story about John Wesley uh, in the, the Heritage of Methodists, the story that we love to tell, which is that John Wesley, when he went to America, was a, such a colossal failure as a pastor there and was just ashamed of the level of faith he had, which was nothing. <laughs> and he was on the ship, and he there was a storm, and he was terrified. He didn't trust God. He didn't pray, but he watched the Moravians who were traveling with him. And they prayed, and they were calm. And John Wesley was like, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of no faith. But he went to England, and his friend Peter Bowler, who was a Moravian, said to him, Look, John, if you'll just pray and preach faith as if you have it, then once you get it, you can live out of it. It's kind of a fake it till you make it sort of <laughs> bit of advice. But honestly, that does work even when we don't feel like praising God or worshiping or rejoicing, if we'll just let the Lord give us help in that last little bit of energy we have and begin to worship him, the spirit flows, the strength comes back, the power comes back, the sense of God being in control comes back. And that's what happened to me that night in Georgia. As I rejoiced in the Lord, I felt the spirit move with me and I gained such strength. I always pray continually, and there's another thing that's said before we get to do not quench the spirit. And the third thing is give thanks in all circumstances. Well, again, we're really, we're human beings, and we're, we're apt to say, really, 
can I tell you all the things that have happened, God? I don't think I can give thanks about any of this. I know you want me to, but things are so hard. Some of us are saying that right now in 2020. Some Things are so hard, Lord. I don't even know what there is to say thanks for. But again, I want to tell you another story, and maybe that will help you see the value and the strategy that's involved in giving thanks. And you may know this story. A lot of Christian people do. But it's worth telling again and again because it's helpful. And it's a story about Corey Tenbu. Corey and her sister were prisoners of the Nazis in World War II because they had been helping the Jews to hide out in their home and be safe. And Corey and Betsy got caught. They were sent to a camp called Ravensbrück. In Ravensbrück, they eventually got moved into a a building called Barracks 28. And while they were in there, in this foul-smelling, crowded, miserable place, one thing that was uh, even a further insult and a struggle to uh, deal with that Corey noticed was that there were fleas. She said, Betsy, there's fleas in here. How are we going to survive and live in this place? And even as Corey uttered the words, Betsy began to pray, Lord, help us, show us how we can survive all this. And as they talked, the two sisters, Betsy said, he's given me the answer. I know what it is. Go and find those verses we read this morning. And guess what the verses were? (laughs) They're the verses we're reading right now. 16, 17, and 18 in First Thessalonians 5. And so when they got to the phrase, give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy said, come on, Corey, let's start to give thanks for everything. And Corey said, what? You know, what are you talking about? There's nothing in this place to be thankful for. And Betsy said, no, no, Corey, listen, you and I are together. We could have been put in separate Um, camps, separate dwelling places, but we're together. And she said, look, we have our Bible because they didn't inspect us when we came in. And we were able to keep it hidden. And so we're able to do Bible studies with the women. And she said, and think about this, there's so many women crowded in here that they're close so they can hear us. And more of them are hearing rather than less. Finally, We need to give thanks for the fleas. (laughs) Corey said, Betsy, I don't think God wants us to thank him for fleas. Come on. But a little while after that, Corey returned to the barracks one night, and she had been working, doing whatever her duties were in the camp, and she came back, and Betsy was smiling. Betsy said, I've figured out why we need to give thanks for those fleas. (laughs) And Corey said, Okay, tell me what, why? And Betsy said, the guards know that this place is infested in fleas and they don't want to come in here. And so we're protected. We're protected so we can do Bible studies, so we can do worship, so we can help one another gain hope. And in fact, that barracks was known as the crazy place where women have hope. (laughs) And so to give thanks, in all circumstances, is once again a powerful strategy that the Lord gives us so that we do not quench the Spirit, 
but rather the spirit flows. The spirit flowed in those barracks to give the women hope, to give them a reason to keep living, to keep on, to give them the knowledge that God saw them despite the evil that was being done to them, that God was with them. You know, my, my kids, when they were little, I remember them seeing some movie, and I, I don't remember much about it, but that it was a story of mice, and the mice were under attack, probably by cats. <laughs> I don't remember. But they had created some kind of crazy um, vehicle to r- ride in and some weapons to fight the cats or whoever they were fighting. But I remember one line from the movie where one of the mice said was sort of an accent. She said, release the secret weapon. And I think of that when I think of God helping us to understand the value of rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. That is our secret weapon. It is a strategy, a holy strategy that the Lord gives us in order to survive the things that come against us and to find his presence and to allow the spirit to flow out of us because he dwells in us. And to allow him to manifest more on us with greater glory so that we can endure what's before us. And not only endure, but even overcome in many circumstances, in many in many situations. So that is the first part of the sandwich. The second part of the sandwich that comes after verse 19, do not quench the spirit, are these words. I want to read them again just to remind us. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, it says in verse 20, and then in 21, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So what's God equipping us with, with those words? You know, when the Holy Spirit is flowing, when the Holy Spirit is moving through us and through our communities, the people around us, one of the things that he does is he gives voice, he gives the words to us to speak. We become his mouthpiece as he flows in us and he gives us strength. So it's very natural to think about this concept that there is going to be prophecy. When the spirit is flowing, we're going to have words for each other. And what's the purpose of prophecy? It's to help us endure to be comforted to be encouraged to be strengthened we often think of prophecy as something that predicts what's going to happen and and it can be that it certainly can be and oftentimes people will give words that are so accurate and on target for what's coming in someone's life or in a nation but prophecy also is a source of encouragement and comfort and strength. It's all those things. It's God's voice and his words and his thoughts coming through our mouths. Well, if we quench the spirit, we shut that down, don't we? We shut down the source of encouragement, of strengthening, of comfort, of knowing what's on God's heart and his mind. And so we don't want to be those who shut it down. We want to give voice to what God is giving to us to say. But I noticed that sometimes we, uh, even in the Christian community, can be kind of celebrity-focused, you know. (laughs) We want to hear the big-name person give the prophecy. We want to see the more glittery one give the prophecy. We maybe are not so interested in the 
and the person insignificant and unseen person at the end of the pew. And that's a mistake. This is a season where we need to really help listen each other into speech. You know, as people are hearing from God and they're trying to grow in giving voice to that, it's a time for us to really listen to one another, to really say, oh, you, you, you feel like you've heard something for the, from the Lord. Tell me about it. I want, I want to hear. And let's pray about it. It's wonderful that you've had that impression from God. I'm interested I, for a long time, uh, served in the Heartland Healing Rooms here in Kansas City. And in those healing rooms, we would do prayers for healing, prayers for deliverance. We would give prophetic words, words of knowledge. From time to time, I don't remember the regularity with which this was done, but there was a room that was staffed by children. The little kiddos were in this room ministering to people. And I saw more than one adult come out of that room and go, oh, my goodness, those children, the words that they gave to us from God. And, oh, and they prayed for my healing. Oh, wow. All of us are needed in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. And so I'm really struck by these words in this text when it says, do not treat prophecy with contempt no matter who it comes from let's try and listen one another into speech because god is speaking all the time but the next phrase where it says but test them all so in other words in the school of jesus christ as his apprentices let's help one another to move more in the prophetic in the healing gifts because God needs every one of us right now to be speaking up and speaking out and ministering healing. This is a time when we need to demonstrate this to the, our nation, to the world, that God is still in the business of healing and he is speaking all the time. So we need to give each other courage to speak out and speak up and take risks and try to grow in healing and prophetic ministry. You know, sometimes we question ourselves. Did I really hear from God? I, I don't know. Was that just me? Um, it sounds foolish. I don't know if I'm going to say anything. I'll tell you a story on myself. Several years ago, many, many years ago, when I was first learning about moving in the Holy Spirit, I went to a meeting, and the leader invited us to try to hear some words of knowledge from God. Now, of course, a word of knowledge is when you um, get an impression about something. Let's say, um, let's say I sit down in a, in a chair in a church and my elbow starts hurting. And it didn't hurt before, but it just starts hurting. And I think, well, that's not me. I don't have a sore elbow. But, hey, maybe somebody near me does and maybe they need prayer. That's a type of word of knowledge. It's God helping us know what's needed in the moment. So I was at this meeting, and we were going to practice, see if we could all get a word of knowledge. And the leader of the meeting said, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes along with everyone else, and I was waiting for an impression about healing. And all I saw in my mind's eye was a horse. <laughs> I just saw an image, a vision of a horse. 
And I thought, oh, my goodness, I bet everybody around me is getting pictures or words or or sensations of arthritis or sore necks or headaches. And, you know, they're getting things that will lead to healing. And I'm seeing a horse. I guess I just don't have it. Again, I was putting myself down. Well, when we had finished that little exercise for a moment, um, the people who had received a word of knowledge were invited to stand up. And I didn't. I thought, of course, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that. But other people stood up, and people who needed healing were invited to form a line across the front. And one by one, they said, I need healing with whatever it is what they, they needed healing for. And if someone had had a word of knowledge about that, they raised their hand, and then they were able to go pray for them. So they went down the line, and they got to this one young lady, and she said, I have trouble with my ears. I need healing for those. And then just as an afterthought, she added, but I do want to tell you, I fell off a horse last week, and the Lord healed me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, now maybe I was getting that sensation, that, that vision of a horse because of her. We need to not discount the prophetic things we hear from the Lord, that others hear from the Lord, but listen each other into speech so that we don't quench the spirit. Let We need to take risks ourselves, listen ourselves into speech and take risks because this is a time when we need to see the flow of the healing ministry, the prophetic ministry. We need to see this in our nation and in the world, we need to know that God is for us and can help us. So that is what I learned about studying these verses, is that it's a delightful sandwich with actually a message of great love and encouragement in it. God wants us to be glory carriers, to carry the Holy Spirit. Pam, can I ask you a question? You sure can. Yes, I vow. I concur with you that the word of knowledge gives you a, a, a word that it doesn't plug anywhere, but it's always related to somebody. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, in, in my years of uh, working with this, and I, I, I heard exactly what you're experiencing. Yeah. The same thing. Yes. Yes. And you... Rick have always had such profound and wonderful teaching on those nine gifts of the Spirit, um, one of which is words of knowledge, that they are meant for us so that we can really help one another. Absolutely. Well, I know it's 930 and it's time for us to bring this to a close, but uh, may I offer a prayer for those who are listening? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Um. Father in the name. Yes. Please do, Pam. Father, in the name. Oh, thank you, Betty. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone who is listening and is watching this today, that they would be encouraged. How much you want to help us to partner with you, to be your apprentices, to move in the gifts of the Spirit, to hear your voice, even when it is soft and gentle. Hear you at all times and to be encouraged, and to move with you. I pray that for everyone listening, Lord, that they would be built up in your word, in this word, and enabled 
to rejoice and to pray and give thanks and to move in the gifts and to help others move in the gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pam, thank you so much for such an encouraging and powerful word. What a sandwich. That was a great sandwich. (laughs) Um, I I just really enjoyed revisiting that portion of scripture. I haven't read it in a while, and when I opened it, I saw that I had made a note some years ago that says, eight things to do in any situation. If you don't know what to do. We can go yes. here and say, well, these are eight solid things to do in any situation. So thank Absolutely. you for reaffirming that and giving us that sandwich today. <laughs> yes, God. a good sandwich. Now I want to tell you, I want to tell you one thing and ask you one thing. Um, yes. How do we get your? First, I want to ask you, how do we get your podcast? If we want to hear yes. more from Pam Morrison, how do we get your podcast? Thanks, Betty. Yes, the pot, the name of the podcast is Rooted by the Stream. Rooted by the Stream. Okay. It's on, it's on Charisma Podcast Network. The uh, web address is charismapodcastnetwork.com slash show slash rooted by the stream. You're writing that down for And me. I put on a new show. I put on a new show every Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. And then, then I have a website, which is just PamMorrisonMinistries.com. Okay. And then I wanted to tell you, thank you. We're going to take note of that and try to follow you. And um, every morning here, before we have this Bible study time, we have an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of prayer for all kinds of yeah. things. And we have a whole section of our whiteboard that is for healing, people whose names we are lifting up before the Lord every single day. Yeah. So. With your permission, we're going to put David up there and pray with oh, you for the you. final healing yes. of this battle with cancer for yes. him, the final victory. Yes, let's kick it to the curb. Okay, amen. <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you for being with us. And thank you, Pam. Hopefully we'll see you again thank soon you, in the future. Rick. Thank you, Betty. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no escuro, correndo.